Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. I think Thursdays are just going to end up becoming a regular day because I keep having special guests on. And Thursdays, I usually don't go go live, but I wasn't going to let this guy wait until February to come on and share his story. So this is episode number 127, Shut Up and Grind, with me. So today we're going to be talking about spreading awareness for the prevention of sexual assault. So as you guys know, this show isn't just about fitness, it's about overall wellness and and keeping people safe and healthy is part of overall wellness. So that's why I wanted to to get into this topic with my guests. But first, if you are new to the show, it's all about overcoming obstacles. So so regardless of what the topic of each episode is, it deals with a person's journey to get to where they are. So that way, if you're stuck in a rut in your own life, you know, between my experiences and the experiences of each guest that joins the show, maybe it can help motivate you to get through whatever it is you're, you're getting through to get you to the other side and get you to that next level. And if you don't know who I am, allow me to introduce myself. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. Starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right. So before we dive into the main topic, I want to talk about my new program, Speak About Yourself Out Loud which today's guest, coincidentally, is actually going to be a beta tester of the program. It's where I help you take whatever it is that you have in your subconscious that you either haven't dealt with, maybe it's unresolved, or you just don't know how to talk about it, and I help you put it out into the world. So that way you can, A, heal yourself from it, and so you can also help someone else that may be going through something similar 
because it doesn't serve anyone for you to keep that stuff inside. You know, for for example, when I talk about the passing of my father, I was like, I could just keep that inside because I'm I want to safeguard my own feelings or my own emotions. But that doesn't help anyone else that may be grieving the loss of a parent. So by me telling the story of my dad getting sick, you know, watching his deterioration and then ultimately to when we ended care, you know, our my family's experiences can help someone else's family to better cope with what they're going through. So that's the purpose of the program. And then we're also going to have a division where we go to CEOs and man managers and help them with their leadership training to help their leaders better connect with their employees. And then we're going to have another division where we train sales teams to teach them how to provide service versus just pushing products. So this program is going to be a lot bigger than just teaching people to speak better. This is going to be about making better people, making businesses better, and making the entire process of connecting with other human beings better. So once I'm done with the beta testing, and that way I'll have a body of work to prove that this stuff works, and then we're going to put it out to the world. So just uh, really, really excited about that. All right, so now we're going to talk about a serious subject on the prevention of sexual assault. So the gentleman that I have coming on to join the discussion has dedicated his life to educating about this topic, right? And so who is this person, you might say? So he's a lawyer. He's an advocate and fraternity alum that has spent his career speaking out on behalf of others. He founded Greek Law, a program that allowed him to give lectures on sexual assault prevention and consent at various fraternity and sorority chapters in Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, and Alabama. So please help me welcome to the show, James Wilkerson. Good morning, sir. Hey, how is it? How you doing? Doing great. How's it going? Hey, it's good, man. Good. Another balmy day here in Southern Indiana, but yeah. hey, you know, we're, it's all, we're almost to fall. So, so I'm just going <laughs> to count the days down and stay in the air conditioning until we get there. Yeah, see, it's like that. I I like fall, but just the problem with being up here in New England is that you go from fall to winter real fast. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> just like spring to summer, it's like it's cold, cold, cold. We get spring for ten days, and then boom, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like we don't get those nice long drawn out seasons. It's either hot or it's cold. <laughs> I'm ready to get out there and play some golf where I'm not going to be drenched with sweat at the end. So yes, few months yes. away, we're almost there. <laughs> yep, understood. In in a month, I'm actually going to be in Indiana. I'm doing a uh, Spartan race out there in Attica. Okay, awesome, yeah. awesome. Yep. Come come on down. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Yeah, I did it there in 20, 2019. D different different experience. Like mm -hmm. super super flat. You know, we got yep. mountains up here, but right. there was a lot of sand. You know, there was like a lot of sand, a lot of sand dunes. It was definitely a different experience. Yeah. So yeah. I must I must have liked it because I'm going back. I feel like that's what a lot of people say with Indiana. It's a different, it's a different experience, but that's yeah. what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So are you originally from Indiana? Yeah, I'm originally from New Albany. So Southern Indiana is okay. just right there on the, on the Ohio river uh, on the border between that and Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. All right. So, so we can connect better with you. How would you describe yourself? Who is James? Uh, James. James is is a is a guy that is uh, finally beginning to unlock his true potential and use all of the gifts that he's been given in his 38 years 
to make the world a better place. Good answer. I like that. All right. Make better place. All right. So how would you describe your upbringing? Uh, so like I said, I was born, um, I, I was born and raised here in New Albany. Um, I was, uh, adopted, uh, into a, uh, a one, one parent home. So it was me and my mom. Um, I had the unique experience though, to live right next door to my grandparents. So, okay. um, so, you know, a lot of time was spent over at grand and Papa's house, um, kind of, you know, spending time with them. Um, uh, my mom still to this day, a workaholic. Uh, I don't think she's ever going to retire ever. So, you know, workaholic on, on that end, um, spent a lot of time with my, with my grandparents. Um, our relationship, me and my mom's relationship was, uh, it's a unique one. It, it's, it, it's a unique relationship. Um, there is, we, we have some differences, some different philosophies on how you know, we view life. And I think that's just from the generations that we come from. Uh, you know, she's of the whole, you know, generation where you graduate college and then you go immediately to the job that you're going to work the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe every once in a while you'll get lucky and you'll get a raise or maybe you might climb up that ladder a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just need to be thankful and happy that you have a paying job. Um, regardless of what that job is. So that could be digging a ditch. That could be, you know, uh, running the mail or, you know, that could be as the, the recreation director of the city like she is. Yes. Me, on the other hand, I'm from, you know, the, the, the generation, you know, we're dreamers, right? You know, mm. so it's like, you know, we might have several different paths that we want to go in. Um, one might not connect, so you might go in a different one. And you're kind of moving more at your own pace. You kind of look at the old generation and say, hey, it doesn't have to be like that all the time. Yes. You know, it can be something different. Um, it doesn't matter when you get to where you're going as long as you get there. So yes. as you can imagine, with those two philosophies kind of <laughs> in the house, by the time I was 18, I was like, okay, mom, I love you, but I got to go over here. I got to do my thing. So, you know, yes. it's my heads every now and then, but it's all good. Yeah, that's what, one of the biggest questions that I get when people ask about how to deal with someone in their close circle who's unsupportive. And I always say, you have to cut them out. And then I pause and I say, of the discussion. You know, it's like you don't necessarily have to have to cut them out of your life. Completely. Right. You know, like when I started fitness, I mean, I went from having a management job, you know, comfortable income, you know, predictable income. You know, same thing, like bonus potential, raise potential and all that stuff, you know, to where I started. Wonderful that you get to have that kind of experience. And it's something that we can kind of strive for to, to pay attention to what's going on. Some people are just in such denial. Uh, I know my, my first husband who died, interestingly, was a bioethicist, which meant that he dealt with the ethics of, of living and dying and, okay. and what he did. And he was on, on the committee at the uh, medical center, the regional medical center, where they- going to work, you know, we got to think of the kids. And it's like, no. So I just completely cut out that conversation. So that was a solid move you did there. I'm 100% I'm with you on that. I mean, there were things that I was doing in high school 
you know, that I was excited about. So it's like, yo. Uh, when it was not that popular or not that, you know, people didn't know that much about hospice. So he yeah. was able to get that into our community. So he was very familiar with death. And he was, um, he had health challenges for. You bring it then, but you, you bring it to, you know, mom and she's like, oh, okay. I mean, that's cool, but how's that going to, you know, affect your career in 30 years? I'm like, 30 years? Like, I'm 17. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you get to college, and I had to have that discussion with myself of, like, okay, look, I can continue to keep trying to get this approval that I'm probably just never going to get. Yeah. Or I can just say, okay, set it aside and keep moving. Because, uh, you know, if, if I keep on trying to chase this approval, it's, it's never going to come. And it's yeah. just going to hold me back. So I got to keep pushing forward. So, you know, that's what I, you know, that's what I, ha I have to do. Still do it today. So, yeah. Yeah. And then within within you, too, if you don't let go, then that resentment's going to build. Because right. in, in the beginning, as I said, you know, she wasn't very supportive. And then as we started to, to gain and we start, started to grow. And then I started, you know, I started in my garage. Mm -hmm. And then I started rent, renting spaces and I had to rent a bigger space. And finally, I had enough clients to where I could open up my own space. Right. Now she came around. We started <laughs> doing $10,000 months and $20,000 months. You know what I mean? That, that, now she's involved in wearing the gear and everything else. Mm -hmm. I was like, you could tell that his, his stance was definitely softening on it. You know, mm -hmm. so... So it's like, I just think once you actually get to that point, and even with my mom, you know, she was getting kind of frustrated with him at some, some point because he was getting snappy and, you know, kind of, kind of like demanding. So it was, uh, he was at a, at a rehab center and I went to go, to go visit and she happened to come outside right as I pulled in and she's like, Robert. I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, Korea when you were a child. Well, I got into theater uh, in third grade, and you know, in, at least in Southern Indiana, in New Albany, and then uh, Jeffersonville and Floyd Knobs, which were just you know the surrounding cities. At least back then, theater—I mean, the fine arts programs in our local high schools were top notch. Yeah, they, they they still are, but I mean, it was just something different back then. So, I mean, if you ever watched, you know, like. Glee or anything like that. That was real life, you know. Like yeah. we had Glee, we had Drumline, we like all this was going on, you know, in our school. So I was in our theater program, um, starting from third grade all the way up until uh, senior year, and that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought, you know, that I was going to do something, either theater or or vocal, because um, choir was my other area as well. I thought I was going to do something with that. Yeah. Okay. It's like, I always wanted to be some type of like a host or an MC. Honestly, my dream job would be to host Survivor. If okay. Jeff, if Jeff Probst ever retires, <laughs> it's like, I would love to be the host of Survivor. That would be awesome. I can and, close my eyes and see that. I really can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Some something like that, or something like Big Big Brother, just like one of those type those types of shows. Mm -hmm. I can see myself doing it, and I actually have an an, an audition today at one thirty to be a host of a uh, of a YouTube show. Okay. Like you got to start somewhere, right? You know? right. So you got you got to start somewhere. But like I I I just always saw myself doing something like that. Sure. I've, I've always been a hype man. I've always been a motivator. 
And yeah. uh, it seems like I can't stop stop smiling just thinking <laughs> about it. Like that that's how you know when you really want to do something. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what's up. All right. So you went to school and then what was your first job out of school? Out of college? Out of college, yes. Uh, so my first, uh, my first big boy job, uh, I worked at Humana. So the insurance company, oh, yeah. um, I, I worked in their phone center. So I was one of the people where whenever you're upset about something, you call me and I, I, I do my, 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 my verbal magic and yeah. hopefully you're less upset after you get off the phone with me. So that was yeah. my very first job out of college. <laughs> I like that work some verbal magic. I used yeah. to say that as a restaurant manager, when tables, tables were upset. They would they, be like, Rob, you got to come work your magic. And like, turn, <laughs> turn on the charm. You know? you know, like with some people, you, you, you couldn't crack it. You know, I'm going to I'm right. going to I'm going to stereotype for a second because like the old white ladies mm -hmm. with when they're really mad, mad, you can't talk them off that ledge. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> all right. I digress. <laughs> so. All right. So how long did, did you stay there? So I stayed at Humana for I stayed at Humana for two and a half years. Um, I got fired from Humana actually. So okay. I was uh, at the time I was still trying to make you know something in the fine arts work. Um, you know I had started DJing in college, um, and, and you know DJing was a cool way to make a couple bucks. Um, I linked up with a, a local hip hop group in Louisville and I was the DJ for the group, but I was also the manager for the group as well. So, you know, I'm trying to book a shows. I'm trying to, you know, get shows booked. And apparently Humana didn't really like it that I was trying to book shows on company time through my Humana uh, email address. So, <laughs> so we, we, uh, we had a parting of the ways uh, due to that. Okay. But did that thrust you into some, something better? Um, no, no, no. Actually, it, it just got worse. Uh, oh, okay. after, so after Humana, I went to work for another um, another company called uh, Charter. Charter Communications, was, which is a cable, uh, cable internet phone company, yeah. um, working in their phone center. Um, it was, you never call your cable company when you're happy. Yeah. You only call when you're mad. So once you get another uh, one where, you know, it's just aggressive on the other line. Um, from there, I went to work for Kentucky uh, Medicaid once again oh, in yeah. another phone center. And at that, that was the one when I realized, like, okay, look, I am meant for something bigger than this. Yeah. No disrespect for those who are grinding away in the phone center right now because that's an important job. But this isn't for me. There's something else that I need to be doing. So I need to get out and start looking. Yeah. Yeah. And say like, like for me, I don't look down on any profession. Like there's a need for janitors. There's a need for McDonald's workers. There's a need for Walmart employees. But you said the key sentence, it wasn't for you. Right. You know, like some people are just happy doing what they're doing and that, mm -hmm. and that's awesome. Like I said, you know, the purpose of this show isn't for the content people. Right. You know, like if you're content with where you are, stay there. This is yeah. for you. You know, this is for people that are like, they're just fed up. And mm -hmm. I even say that to my fitness clients when they come into me, I said, I only work with people who are fed up. Yeah. It's like, it's like if you're okay with, with things, then you're not going to thrive here. Yeah. It's like I need people who want to change and are ready and willing to do what's necessary to change or else I'm going to be wasting, wasting my time with you and you're going to be wasting your time and your money. 
That was me. That was me back then. Yep. Yeah. So I I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. All right. So how did you get into doing what you're doing now? So I got into, from ships, I got into higher ed because um, I realized, like, okay, the key to unlock the doors that I need to have unlocked, I need to get some type of grad degree. I need to, you know, get a master's degree to get to that next level. Yeah. But, you know, student loans are crazy, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the student loan that I got. So I'm not trying to add more on it, but then I found the cheat code. If you work at a university, nine times out of 10, that university is going to pay for you to get another degree. So cool. All I got to do is just go work at a university. So um, I came over, I started working at Ivy Tech Community College. Um, I worked there for about a year. The game plan was, you know, in like two or three years, move on to a bigger four year um, university. After the first year, I'm getting called over uh, back to Kentucky to go work at a place called Bellarmine, which is a really awesome private school over there. Um, once I was at Bellarmine, then, you know, like I jumped right in to a master's program, got my master's in communication, um, thought to myself, I was like, all right, you know what, let, let, let's keep this thing going a little bit. Let's let's see what that next level looks like. Um, so I left Bellarmine. I went back to University of Louisville, which is my alma mater. Um, and then I got into a PhD program, which was going good until I had to take statistics. I have never been a math guy. I yeah. stopped being a math guy at third grade. So <laughs> wow. PhD level statistics, that wasn't, that wasn't going to get for me. I like walked out of class like five minutes before we got our fi- our first final. And my professor right. was like, where are you going? I'm like, away from this because I'm miserable in this yeah. program. So deuces. Well, now I got to do something though, right? I got to, you know, I got to do some type of program. So um, I look over at the law school. Because law school was never a dream for me. It was never something that I ever, I'm not going to say it was not a dream. It was just something that I never thought I would be able to do because either A, I wasn't smart enough or B, I didn't have enough money. Well, I'm coming off of a 3.8 and then my master's program. So I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'm smart. (laughs) And now I work at the university. It's going to pay for it. So I got the money. So you know what? Law school, what's up? Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm trying to also, you know, get a little bit more extra money because you know, I, I'm married at the time. We just have like a brand new kid. She wanted to be a stay at home mom, so it's like, okay, making forty thousand here at the university doing this, I, I got to make more. So the thought was, let me become an attorney. Let me get those, those big attorney bucks. But then, as you know, as the world goes, you get into law school, you go in with one goal. And then you find something that completely changes your life. And now you got something else, uh, something else that you're coming out with. Okay. All right. So, so what was that thing that changed your life? So the first day of class, okay. So why did everybody come to law school? And it gets to me and I'm like, okay, I'm like, well, I want to be in law school so I can go into business law and, and I can, you know, um, I, I can make a bunch of money. And they looked at me like, okay, all right, we're going to see what you're saying at the end of the semester. Uh, in October that year, I was leaving a wedding um, and I got pulled over. Um, leaving a wedding, had a few drinks, um, you know, not driving, not driving crazy or anything, but it was just, you know, it just so happened that I went down a road where there was a roadblock. Mm. Got pulled over got the DUI charge. And, you know, it was one of those things where after we're done with it, 
you know, you got to do like if anyone that know, that's ever had a DUI knows you got to do a lot of community service. You know, you got to mm. do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people were going into, into the community service just like, oh, man, I wish I was doing anything but like this. But yeah, when I went in, I, I looked around and I saw like, oh, wow. I'm here serving food at, you know, like at, at the Lord's kitchen. And yeah, this might be an annoying hour for me, but like I'm looking out and I'm like, wow, I'm really affecting people. Like this one little gesture of putting this food on this plate and handing it to you, you know, this might be the best thing that happens to you all day long. So I really learned like the power of giving and the power mm. of giving back to other people. So then that changed my, 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 my train of thought in law school. Yo, let's do something and let's use all of this great knowledge and all this good stuff, but let's use it in a way where we can actually help people and we can help push people along and maybe make someone's life better. See, and that's, that right there is why I, is why I do this. Because that's the moment. So, you know, you have the DUI, you're doing community service. And like a lot of people would have taken that as as a what was me moment. Mm -hmm. And you took it as a what can I take from this moment? Like and, and anyone that watches my show religiously knows that that's my central theme. Like it's not what happened to you. What can you take from it? Like I said in my opening mo monologue. Yeah, I lost my father. It's easy to say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And. You know, but like when I actually tell the story, he passed just the way he wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, so he, he got to the point to where he was losing strength because he was an engineer, you know, where he was losing strength. And he, he told us, I mean, I can remember in his 40s, him saying when he can't build anymore, that's when his time is going to be up. Right. And he almost called it to a T. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. I tell I tell the story from that lens. Like, not from a personal loss lens. Mm -hmm. You know, like, does it hurt not having him here in the flesh? Of course it does. But, you know, anyone that's lost anyone close to them, you know, there's always there's always a little void that's there. But mm -hmm. it's like, all right, so what can I take from this situation yeah. that I can use to make people laugh, to make them feel inspired, you know, to give them hope? Yep. You know, it's like, that's what I want to do. So, like, when I started my gym, I didn't, I didn't want to just be another gym. You know, just mm -hmm. another place where people can come in, just work out, lose weight, gain some muscle. I said, okay, I said, those those can be good side effects. Sure. I, said, I said, but I want something different. So, like, I tell people I'm a personal development coach mm -hmm. that, that uses fitness as the outlet. Yeah. So when people come in, I'm like, I'm going to help you think better. I'm going to help you prepare better. I'm going to help you love yourself. And I'm going to help you take I'm going to help you want to take care of yourself. I'm going to help you prioritize taking care of yourself. And then mm -hmm. as a result of all that, you'll drop some pounds and you'll put on some muscle. <laughs> you know? It's like, but that's the main focus. And then like, I didn't want to just be put in the fitness box, yeah. you know? And, you know, and again, the people who are there, God bless you. The world needs you keep doing it. But I want to be able to take those principles that I use with fitness and expand it into any facet of life. Absolutely. You know, and then I that's like when this show was born. I you know, like so, that. So now we just take people's stories. And sorry, so what can we pluck from these stories? Because even with the guests, you know, because I told you I take notes on everyone that mm -hmm. comes in, is I share some of the guest stories if I had to. I'm like, yeah, I had someone on a couple weeks ago that went through ABCD. You know, so like yeah. story, stories make the world go round.
what I what I learned right before I hopped into law school was there are no L's, only lessons. Yes. So a loss doesn't have to be a loss, and it isn't going to be a loss if you can take a lesson from that and apply that lesson to your life and then spread that lesson to other people. See, and that's that's where you leave a legacy. You know, like I like when I work people. When I work with people in the very beginning, I always say, what do you like, what do you want to do? And then what do you want to leave behind? Yeah. You know, so people who are authors, you know, obviously they have their, their books, mm-hmm. you know, now in the video world, you know, you put a video out there unless YouTube somehow disintegrate someday, that video is <laughs> going to be out there forever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just blogs and everything else. So like Nostradamus, people are still reading his stuff from the 15th century. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, what do you, what do you want to leave behind? I didn't want to just be a gym owner. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I want people to say like, he changed my life. Yeah. Not not just he helped me lose 20 pounds. I mean, yeah, that's a noble thing, helping people people get healthier. But there's levels to this. And, yep. I, and I don't want to be on the surface level. Like, I want people to think, like, because of you, I was able to X, Y, Z. Sure. You know, like, there's just true power in that. All right. So back so back to you. So you started your your company, right? Yeah. So in so the number one thing people always ask law students is like, what type of law do you want to do? And now after, you know, after I'm I'm seeing the power of advocacy, um, it's like, OK, now it's time for me to if I'm not going to do corporate law, what am I going to do? Um, we were in we were in our criminal law class and our professor, you know, we get to the we're getting to the unit where we're about to start studying uh, sex crimes, which I was always kind of interested in because, you know, in the higher ed world, I'm like, you know, I could be a dean of students one day. Yeah. Um, but let me, I, I got to learn this Title IX stuff. So we get, we, we get to the, the the section on sex crimes and our professor, you know, he comes before the class and he tells us like, you know, law schools around the country are, are some of them are stopping the teaching of, of this unit um, because, you know, maybe they think it's a little bit too taboo. Now, never mind, we teach murder and we teach about, you know, arson and stuff like this, but Sex crimes, for whatever reason, are, are are taboo. He's like, but but you guys are going to learn it. I am going to teach you this because how are you ever going to change the world if you don't know what you're trying to change? Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's what's up. So you know, go through. We 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 learn that unit, and you know, from that point, it's like, okay, how can I take what I'm learning right now and use it to make the world better? If I become an attorney someday. Cool, but what can I do at this very moment in 2015? Yeah, I'm a member of a fraternity. Um, I see stories all the time about fraternities getting in trouble, sexual assault, this sexual assault, that. And I think to myself, I was like, you know, dang, you know, no one, I, whenever I was an undergrad, no one ever really taught me this stuff, no one taught me consent, no one taught me bystander intervention. You know, I didn't learn it in college. I didn't learn it, you know, when I was growing up. I guess I'm just a good person by nature, and I just picked up on it. But no no one ever taught me this stuff. What would happen, though, if someone did go out and did teach this stuff to these younger guys? Would it make a difference? Let's find out. So, you know, I look around. I see a couple classmates who are also Greek. I tell them, like, yo, this is what my ideal is. This is what I want to do. Are you on board? And a, a couple of them like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go do it. 
And then we just went out. We started talking to we started talking to uh, you know fraternities and sororities about sexual assault prevention. Um, we kind of had to work some of the tweaks out in the beginning, but by the time I was going into my second year of law school, we were able to make this um, a, a, a program through our student government, where we were going out and doing public service uh, by teaching fraternity men and sorority women about collegiate sexual assault prevention. Okay, so so how how did you how did you first come up with how you were going to roll it out? So. Whenever I first thought about how I'm going to do this, I went and I spoke with the uh, chapter with the the Greek advisor at the U of L, and I told her what I wanted to do, and she told me a story that that put everything into perspective for me. At U of L, there's a there's a center uh, that handles all of the sexual assault advocacy stuff, and one one day they sent one of their uh, student speakers to speak to all of the fraternity men. So you have one, you have one woman, young woman standing on, on stage uh, in front of like 700 guys who probably don't even want to be there in the first place. She gets on the mic and the first words out of her mouth are one in four of you in this room is a rapist. Let's talk about it. Now, okay. is she correct with the statistics? Yeah, you, you, you got your data correct. You hit your data perfectly, but your delivery was off because you just went in front of a room of 700 guys and said that the, a bunch of them in there are rapists. These are people that don't even want to be here in the first place. Now what you have done is you have united this whole room against you. Yep. So no matter <laughs> what you say after that, it ain't going to matter because they are already on the defensive and have already shut you out and turned you out. Yep. So hearing that story, I'm like, okay, I got to come differently. I got to, you know, I know that they're not going to, they're already going to not be receptive from someone from the university coming to speak to them. So I got to come and I got to talk to them in a different way. Yes. Well, I'm a fraternity guy myself, right? I, I used to be 18 to 19 years old, 20 years old. You know, I used to do the things that they're doing. Let me take my story the stories that I am telling of, you know, that I've been telling guys in bars for ages. Let me tell those same stories, but let me just move the spotlight just a little bit from, oh, here's a story where I hooked up with a hot girl to here's a story where I had consent, where I had verbal consent to do this. Or here's a story where maybe I had consent, but then midway through consent was, was taken away. Um, let me use my own personal stories as the examples because they're still funny. They are still relatable, but they're educational at the same time. And it's something that you might be able to grasp a little bit better as a 19 year old versus me coming in here and reading, uh, reading legislation to you or, <laughs> you know, reading the school handbook, you know, and putting you to sleep. Let me come in here and mix the entertainment with the edu education and, and see what happens. You know, I can I can be Chappelle and Obama at the same time. Yeah. And lo and behold, hey, wouldn't you know, it worked out. It, it, it worked. Uh, you know, 19 and 20 year olds, you know, they still want to hear those stories. But now they're taking a minute to stop and think about the point of the story and where the, the spotlight is. So uh, that was a real successful move. I love that. And, and so, so, 
what's your what's your next steps? Like, where do you see this going? So the pandemic really changed everything that I was doing. Leading up to the pandemic, like everything shut down in March, right? Yeah. So March was about to be the biggest month because there there came a time where you know I was kind of button heads with you know I was button heads a little bit with U of L. You know, I was doing great work out there, but there's always politics in things. And, you know, mm -hmm. the university wondering, like, hold up, why is this outside dude coming in here and doing what we're supposed to be doing? Um, so that kind of led me to think, like, okay, you know what? Don't just focus on what you have locally. Expand. You can do this on a national level if you yes. want to. So don't just limit yourself to Louisville and Southern Indiana. Take this as far as it can go. So March rolls around. I got all types of dates planned out. I'm going to Tennessee. I'm going to, you know, work with the medical school. I'm going to go work with my first HBCU. I'm going to go work with my first uh, Ivy League school. I'm going to Clemson. I'm going to Bama. And then, boom, COVID. Everything shuts down. And I think in the, in the span of two days, every single uh, – lecture that I had planned got canceled within two days. So I'm sitting here and like, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm just like, wow, Whew, this is a low point. This is a yes. low point. Cause here I am thinking that like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what my calling is, but now everything got shut down and it's out of my control. I, I literally cannot do anything about it. Well, no, I can do something about it. I can. I this is just God saying, like, yo, this is where I want you to be at, and this is what I want you to do, but you need to switch it up. Mm. So you can sit there and be sorry for yourself and be sad, or you can figure out a way to continue this work and do something else with it. In June of last year, one of my professors called me and they were starting a new legal journal, an online legal journal. And she was like, Yo, do you want to start writing some articles for the journal about um, you know, about Title IX and sexual assault, because you're doing some good work. You want to start writing? Mm. Like, hey, might as well. You know, I got this English degree I've never really used. Might as well put it to work. I'm not doing anything else. So I start writing a column um, for, for this blog. And from that point, then we have like a little alternative newspaper in Louisville called The Leo. Well, yeah. The Leo picks up what I'm writing. And eventually they're like, hey, do you want to come and write this art, this column for us? Like, you'll be in our newspaper. You'll be kind of expanded a little bit more and we'll pay you. I'm like, oh, let's do it. <laughs> get it going. And through writing for the Leo, that's when I really started to realize, like, okay, that national reach that you wanted, now you're getting it. You're just getting it in a different way. I wrote an article about um, – about female high school teachers and when they sexually assault their male students and kind of the double standard that we have. Yes. And I got an email from some guy out in Philly that I'd never even met that read the article and just wrote me to say, yo, you know, that happened to me. I'm a victim. I just want to say thank you for writing this because male victims, we don't get any shine or light or anything. Yeah. So thank you for writing this. And I'm like, okay. So that's what I got some rando guy from Philly writing me. It's working. This is this is what I need to be doing is using my pen. Um, yeah. So then 
It's like, hey, you know what? We still locked down at home. Let's write a book. You know, let's see what happens if we write a book. So I wrote, I, I wrote my first book, um, got it published on um, on a nice little local press, um, and, and you know, the book's kind of taken off. It's uh, it's one of the best sellers on the uh, gender and law uh, list in Amazon. Nice. Um, so you know, it's moving kind of, it's moving along. So. To answer your, to go back and finally answer your question, what's next? <laughs> um, what's next is uh, continuing to write. Um, I'm, you know, about halfway through book number two right now. All right, so, hold on, hold on. Let, let me stop right there. Book number uh, two. Book number two. We'll we'll come back to that. Okay. I, I just want to expand on what what you just said because because mm-hmm. I fight. I hear this almost daily in my travels, almost daily, about when the pandemic came because. My story is pretty similar to yours. As I said, said my dad passed the tail end of 2019. So he passed just before all this COVID stuff happened. And that's another thing I could be thankful for because he would have died alone, you know, had he made it into 2020. But one of the last things I said to him was that I'm going to go full force with with speaking, Mm -hmm. you know, because I've kind of been, you know, in between the gym and speaking, but I've already decided that I want I want to keep the gym as a hobby because that's mm-hmm. what it started out as anyway. Like I, I never really, really wanted to be this big gym guy and have multiple locations. Like I, I that's just not fun for me. Yeah. I want my, my core group of people and just watch them kick ass day in and day out mm-hmm. and then take the rest of the day just speaking and motivating and inspiring people. So similarly to you, I had eight gigs lined up in 2020, mm-hmm. you know, so dad passes now. So it's like, all right, you know what? Time to, time to honor my, my promise to him. And then same thing. May, well, March 1st, I had an in-person speaking gig and then nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yep. I, think, I think we pulled out here March 8th. Cause like I, I pulled out of the gym before the governor mandated it. Cause I knew it was coming. So, mm-hmm. so we, we shifted ahead of time. But now I'm like, maybe maybe this isn't my calling. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like you start having that doubt. So when you were talking, I wrote down, you know, let down with a question mark to circle back and ask you. Like in that moment, I was let down at first because like, this is this is what I feel like I'm called to do. But it's like, what's your message? You know. So I joined. Well, let me back up. I joined the mastermind group, and they were asking, you know, what's your message? And I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I was like, maybe that's why. I mean, I'm not saying I know in the pandemic, people people were dying and families were shattered. I'm just yeah. beyond that. You know, I'm talking like beyond all that. Like, what's the lesson for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, it was like you're not ready. You know, so mm-hmm. I so I went and you know did some did some my own soul searching, kind of how I, I do with this program that I opened. I opened this up with is I just did my own soul search. You know, I looked within my own stories and like, what's a common theme from the things that happened in my life? Mm-hmm. And it was always overcoming obstacles, defying the odds, you know, building resilience, like never, never quit. And yeah. I was like, all right, so that needs to be my central theme. And then no matter what topic I'm speaking on, no matter what demographic, it's relevant. Right. You know, that's that's the thing. It has to be relevant. Go ahead. One thing you just said, man, that that really hits is you're not ready. Yeah. And at that point in March, I wasn't ready. I thought I was. I thought I was ready to go conquer the world. But no, I wasn't. 
and there were other things that if I was if I was going to become an expert in my field, there were other things that I had to do. I had to get published. I had to put the book out. I had to go and speak at you know conferences. I had to get the job being a Title IX coordinator at a four-year university. Yeah. Um, I had to put all of you know all of those things behind me to build me up. Yeah. So that like, you know, I've always had the charisma to go out and do it. I can talk a whole room for an hour. Yes. But now I got the research. Now I got, you know, all of the qualifications behind me so that whenever I come to you and say, hey, how about me coming to speak with you? I can show you here's all the cool. Here's all the stuff I've done. Yeah. And this is the reason why I'm an expert in this field. So, yes. Yeah. The, the mastermind that I joined what was about media publicity mm -hmm. and, and so because i think you know being a speaker people want to know well what have you done and yep. so going through that class and at the time i i could not afford it like mm -hmm. i don't like i said the gym was just shut down yeah <laughs> you know? so yeah. it's like i i have i mean i did have people still paying me on virtual but i had a lot of people freeze their memberships yeah so it's like all right so this program it's not you know really feasible now but it needs to be done now. Right, <laughs> you know, right. One of those things. Like if I don't do this, then I'm not going to be able to turn the corner. Sure. So fortunately, they had a payment plan. I said, okay, good. So I can at least put down that first bit and then just get to work. Yeah. But in that, I've been featured on probably 50 podcasts on international news. Mm -hmm. And with my podcast, you know, like we're in 22 different countries that listen to this. You know what I mean? But, 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 and I've been in over 200 publications. Yeah. And, and it's like, who would have thought, you know, like when you first start <laughs> these things, you know, you got all these celebrities and all these big name people, like, why do they want to hear from me? Right. <laughs> and then once you get over that imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. you'll see like there's so many opportunities out there. Like it drives me insane when I hear people say, there's nothing out there. I'm like, you you aren't looking in the right places because right. there's opportunities everywhere for everyone. All over the place. <laughs> All over the place. Yes. All right. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that just because you said it too. And I hear it so many times when, th when pe people hit a roadblock, that's not the end. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not the end. That just means you got to, you got to clean up some stuff and then try a different direction. Mm -hmm. so like, it's like, Absolutely. that doesn't mean just quit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. All right, so, so now let's get to book two. Okay. So th this was the first one. This is the first one that came out, the Title IX guy. Um, yeah. So 11 different um, eleven different short essays. I, I felt like writing, writing short essays would be a good way to kind of come out in the beginning um, because that way I can provide a little something for everybody. So, you know, if you are, let's say that you are a parent of a, of a child and you're, you're concerned about child predators, you're, you know, concerned about, you know, child exploitation, well, there's a chapter in the book for you. Um, let's say that you are, uh, you know, a, a, young, a, a young man that's making the transition from high school to college and you're, you know, excited about Greek life, but you might be kind of worried or concerned about hazing. There's a chapter in there for you. Uh, you know, there's, you know, maybe you are, may, maybe you are the, the black man right now sitting there um, really kind of confused because on one hand, you know what R. Kelly did was absolutely wrong. 
but man, ignition is a bot, right? <laughs> um, what do you do with that? There's a chapter in there for you. So I, I, I try to make it to where there's something in there for everybody. It's written and it's based in legal research, but I write it in a way where it's just like a conversation that we're having. Yes. Um, I break it down to where you don't have to be a legal scholar. You don't have to be a scholar at all to understand what you are reading, but there is some some a lot of knowledge inside of there. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, just like going back to that 36 chamber, right? You, you, you've learned all of this information. Now let me go out in the world and in the village and spread it through everyone, uh, but break it down the way where people can get it. So that's what um, is in this book. Um, book number two, which is in the process right now, um, you know, we're kind of, taking my time to write it. I was, the game plan was to write it next year. I was like, I'm going to take a break. You know, I'm just going to chill out a little bit. But every day I wake up, I was like, Ooh, you know what? That, that line right there is going to hit. Ooh, I should write about this. You know what? Let me just go ahead and start typing it out real quick. And book two is um, it's the consent presentation that I do for my fraternity men. And it's the sexual assault prevention presentation that I do for all of my Greeks in book form. Yeah. Um, and it's great because now, usually whenever I go out and I do a lecture, I usually have about like an hour to talk. Now I can flesh things out a little bit more. I can take time with my stories that I'm telling. I can throw some legal cases in there for those who want to read those in there. Um, so I can really just take the time to expand uh, and make this Greek law book into what I originally wanted the Greek law program to be. So, um, so yeah, yeah, the writing, uh, like I said, we've got about half of it written. Um, who knows, this might be done by the end of, by the end of the year. And then next year, it's all about the editing, which is the fun part. And by fun, I mean horrible, but <laughs> we're going to make it work. Nice. Yeah. I, I got to get back to write to writing mine. I, I took I took four days off in April and I went down to North Carolina because I like mountains. Okay. And up up here, yes, there's mountains in New England, but it's cold in April. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> so I went the other direction. I went down to North Carolina and I got six chapters written. Mm -hmm. And since I got back home, I haven't written a thing. <laughs> you know, it's like I just ha I have to make time for it because yeah. you, know, you said between doing doing the gym and doing all this other stuff and then raising five kids, it's right. like you know, it, it, they're, they're solid excuses, but they're still excuses. So it's like I, I have to carve out, even if it's 20 minutes here, you know, 30 minutes there to just get it done. I mean, I only, I only have four four chapters to go. And and you, you got to be in the mood for it, too. You know, yeah. when it comes to art, even if it's the literary arts. Yes. When you try to force when, when you force things and you try to push, you know, sometimes that's not going to be when you get the best product. Sometimes the best product comes whenever you can't sleep at 4 a.m. in the morning. So you're like, you know what? I'm just up. Let me go type. And then you just get hit by that inspiration. And next thing you know, it's 9 o'clock. You've already written 20,000 words. And, you know, it just came and it flowed out naturally. So you got to be in the right yes. mood to hit that creative stuff. Yeah, because with me, I'm a, I'm a better speaker than a writer. It's like, mm. I, I shouldn't even say better. I enjoy speaking better than I enjoy writing. Yeah, that like I've I've written I've written articles for, for publications as well, but just starting it is just so hard for me. Whereas mm -hmm. like you can say right now, talk about the, when you bought your last computer. And I'm like, all right, bet. 
and then I can mm-hmm. take it right through the whole thing and I can make it sound like it was the world's most amazing experience. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in the written form, I'd be like, uh, uh, like that was why I went to North Carolina. I said, because I need no distractions. I need to just get onto the mountain away from everyone. And, and he said, well, no problem. But what about my heart? And, and so they looked at things and they said, uh, we don't see that as a problem with the surgery. So I thought, well, maybe the other doctors were being too cautious about that. But we also, I had seen the echocardiogram. So I was kind of anticipating this is going to catch up with him at some point. Yeah. And he's, he's going to realize that uh, his heart isn't functioning as, functioning as effectively as he would like it to be. Okay. <laughs> ah, she got that. She got that pregnancy brain. Yeah, you had to this past year. Yeah. Um, so I've done the online stuff. Um, I don't really. The online stuff just isn't. I think the best fit for me. Yeah. Um, I find this to be a lot better and more engaging. Coming working one on one, having that in person connection with people. Because let's be real. There's a lot there, there's a lot of information online about sexual assault prevention and bystander intervention that you can already go and take a look at. Yeah. So all that stuff's already out there. But if you I feel like if I want to get that real connection and really drive it home, I need to be face to face with you. I need to, you know, be at your fraternity house uh, to where we can really sit down and just chop it up. You know, just chop it up where I can take the, the time to tell those stories and I, I can I can hit those little pauses that 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 matter. Um, and I can kind of I can look, you know, I can look in your face and tell whether or not, OK, this person gets it or maybe this person doesn't get it. Or maybe this person just doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Mm. If you don't agree with what I'm saying. Hey, you know what? Let's chat about it. Let's talk. You know, tell me your side. I'll tell you my side. We may not agree, but at least we both have it out there. Maybe we can learn from each other. So to me, it's just like I haven't found really a way to bring that level of energy to a digital platform yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I'm just going to for right now, I'm going to continue to go out there. I love traveling, too. I love going to places I've never been. Oh, so yeah. I'm pumped to go talk to these kids in Dartmouth here in a month or so. But I'm all I've never been to New Hampshire before. And New Hampshire right. in October, it's nice. beautiful. Her mother passed away, so it was really difficult for her to find yeah. out from someone. So it was like, I mean, she's young. She'll learn from it. I mean, she did. She took her 30-day suspension. So just move forward and you know what not to do next time. So, I mean, I yeah, don't like, judge people. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, like, I, 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 def- I definitely... Definitely agree that the rule the rule can change, but like like you said too, as of now the rules are the rules. And when, right. when you're at a when you're at a world class level, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what, like I said, when my father passed away, I didn't start doing drugs. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's not up to me to decide how someone copes. Right. You know, but when you're at that level, you got to have a heightened level of awareness. Yeah. You know, like you you have a chance to to represent your country. Right. And one of the most pre- prestigious sporting events out there. Mm-hmm. And that that's a big deal. You know, it's not just like another track meet. Like, this is a big deal. Right. So, yeah, the Olympics but, the right thing. She but the 